0: I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, on my time spent, letting me know, billion dollar, billion, dollar, billion dollar. Hey yo, what is going on? Welcome to the show, Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor. I spent the last eight years of my life studying mindset of elite performers and applying those lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from mentors who are doing exactly what I want to do in all areas of life. So I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me. And in my search for those answers, this podcast was born. I wanted to share that valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs, investors, and world-class athletes. So thank you all for tuning in. This show is for free, and my guests do give their precious time to be here, so I do ask for something in exchange to show our thanks. I ask that the price of admission be you share this. If you get any value, you go onto your social media, you share it with your friends, you share it with your family, you share it with your co-workers, you share it with people in the streets. Look, my goal is to influence one million people to invest in themselves and to unlock their own potential, and I can't do that alone. Yo, hi, welcome back to Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson. And today my guest is Myron Golden. So this is really interesting. I actually came across Myron in the Clubhouse app, seriously, just wandering around into a different room. And I heard the brother speaking and it was captivating. I mean, you caught me. I stepped into the room. You were helping a young lady. You started explaining just different levels of value. And I just got hooked. I was immediately resonating towards you went to your Instagram page, reached out to you in DMs and just asked if you would come onto the show to deliver the value that I heard. And to be honest, as I started finding out more and more about you, I just couldn't believe that I had never heard of you before today. And it was, I mean, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole these last two days, just like, oh my gosh, your resume, it's just it's insane so i'm excited to have you on the show today excited to have you share your story i know if i haven't heard of you there's a good chance my audience hasn't heard of you as well so i really think people need to know who you are what you stand for and you know essentially what they can learn from you so myron welcome to the show
1: thank you marlon i appreciate it brother and i'm glad to be here and glad to share some of the things i've discovered with the people who listen to your podcast
0: Yeah, absolutely. So check it out. I mean, as I started diving deeper, I really did start to find more and more about you. And I was really impressed. I mean, you've been on stage at 10x growth conference, you're a world class speaker, you're a best selling author. And you've done so much. I mean, where did this all start?
1: (laughs) Uh, Where did it all start? Uh, I I think it just started just being just a regular guy. I'm the second of seven brothers. um, And our parents were hardworking, but never really, you know, made a lot of money. And um, they taught us how to work hard. And they taught us how to treat people good, and they made us treat each other good. And um, I think a, a transformational moment in my childhood, for me, with regard to entrepreneurship, was when I was about 16 years old. All all the way up from the time I was can remember till the time I was 16 years old, my dad worked for other people, and I remember him come and I remember him being frustrated a lot when he came home from work. And, um, you know, having seven children to feed and, you know, it's like a household of nine people and you're taking care of them on one income, I, that could be kind of challenging. Right. And so I remember he came home one day when I was about 16 years old. He said, I'm not working for anybody else ever again. And I thought to myself, well, you got to have a job, don't you? But I remember that when he stopped working for other people and he started working for himself, doing the same thing, he made way more money. In fact, I remember one time when I was about 17 years old, my dad used to take us to work with him when we were. From the time I was five till I can remember, I was well in my 20s, I'd go to work and help my dad do different jobs, right? And so I w- went with him one morning, and he was unstopping a drain at a gas station. And um, we dug a hole in the ground, and we were snaking it out with a pipe. And so we snaked it out with a pipe, and it took us about 40 minutes, right, to unstop this drain, and he made $900. How would anybody work for somebody else? And so for me, that was a transformational moment for me in my life when I realized, you can. You, number one, you don't have to have a job. Number two, you can make more money running your own business than you can um, by working for somebody else. And I realized – I didn't realize then, but I realize now one of the reasons most people make so little money is because they're selling their time to the highest bidder. And the bidder is, that highest bidder is selling their value in the marketplace, and they're picking up the difference. So if my dad would have been working for a co- plumbing company, the plumbing company would have made $900, and my dad would have made maybe $75 or $80. And so that's what most people do. They sell themselves short by selling their, their, the value that they create to an employer instead of selling the value they create directly to the marketplace.
0: See, that's really cool. And I appreciate you said that, right? The value they create, because I know personally, I had my own experience where the first time I essentially created my own marketplace, right? I created a value, I'm in real estate investing and I had created a margin, right? I created a spread selling a piece of real estate and it was a $10,000 spread. And for me, that was a lot. It was huge. I was just, I, it feels like you make money out of thin air. And essentially that's what you're doing because you're creating this value and then you're determining what it's worth and then the marketplace either chooses to accept what it's worth or deny it. Exactly. So, that's really cool, man. So yeah. so now you've been essentially from that, right? You understand you can create value, you know, so yeah. where- and, then, and,
1: and so when I came home from college, my first semester for, for my first year in college, the first summer, I came home, I needed a car. And so I did what my, our family had always done. i looked in the Paxton Herald, which is a local newspaper and found a $50 car found a car, bought it for 50 bucks, went down to the DMV, got it licensed and insured, et cetera, et cetera. And then I drove that car around all summer, but I, I, I lived in Pennsylvania at the time and I went to college in Indiana and I knew that, that car was not gonna make it back to Indiana. So before I went back to school, I sold it, but I didn't put an engine in it. I didn't put a transmission in it. I didn't change the oil. I didn't vacuum it out. I didn't take it to the car wash. Just drove, it was like a 1972 Buick Skylark and it didn't even have any hubcaps on it. I just drove it around all summer. And um before I went, before I went back, one of my friends offered to buy it for me and he paid me three hundred dollars for the car. I'm like, I bought it for fifty, I sold it for three hundred. And then for the next six or seven years, I would buy old raggedy cars and either fix them up and sell them or not fix them up and sell them. And that's how I made a living for the next five to seven years.
0: Wow. So immediately you just you understood like this idea of flipping, right? You understood well, this idea. Well, I, of-
1: I didn't. I didn't really understand it. I just kind of stumbled into it and kind of. I didn't understand. I didn't understand it completely. I understood if I bought something for more than I sold it for, I could keep the difference. But <laughs> I didn't understand. I got that part down, but I didn't understand. And I thought that the key to making money was to buy as low as you could and then put as much margin on that as you can. I didn't realize. It was about creating as much value as you could, right? Mm. And so, like, I would, and there's a difference because when I buy cars for $50 or $100 or $150, I might have to put a transmission in it. So I might now have $300 in the car and sell it for $900. But I didn't realize that there's another way to make money, and that is to pay $4,000 for the car and then sell it for $8,000, right? I didn't realize that market existed. So you've got commodity markets, and then you've got main markets, and then you've got premium value markets. I didn't realize back then that there were premium value markets. I didn't even realize there were main markets. I was just selling commodities and I was making as much margin as I possibly could on the commodity.
0: Okay, see, so now you're tapping into a space that I want to go because this is a conversation that's not had often, especially not in our communities, right, because we're finding a lot of people, they understand the concept of working really hard, right? And they understand like the basic level of, I could flip, I could buy something low, sell it high. First off, you're telling them it's about adding the value. And then secondly, you're really hitting on something that I feel isn't talked on. It's going into different areas of the game board, right? Yeah, it's
1: going. Yeah, you, you want to tap into a higher value market. In A higher value market, for instance, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, like um, a Rolls-Royce doesn't go 10 times faster than a Toyota Camry. The air conditioner is not 10 times as cold. It doesn't get 10 times better gas mileage, right? It's not 10 times more comfortable. It's not going to get you to your destination 10 times faster. It's not 10 times safer, but the price is 10 times more. And so there – in in anything, there are two types of value. There is the intrinsic value, that's the utilitarian, the utilitarian value. That's I can use this car to go from point A to point B with an air conditioning and a heater and a radio and windshield wipers if it rains and lights if it's night. But all cars do that. So the thing that separates the the, the thing that separates the value of a Rolls Royce from the value of a Toyota Camry is not functional right it's not the it's not the intrinsic functional utilitarian value of that car so value we think we think that the greatest value can be measured in utilitarian functional uh measurements but the reality is the greatest value can be measured in ethereal spiritual esoteric um perceived values So, for instance, um, I would rather, this is me, this is not everybody, right? I would rather go to Publix and buy my groceries and pay three times as much as I pay at Walmart because the value that I get at Publix is, like, extremely good customer service. And I would rather pay more and have the service, the customer service, than to go to Walmart and have them hassle me to walk all over this big behemoth of a store and nobody I'm asking even knows where to find the thing that I'm looking for. See, I don't, two things, like people who are premium value buyers, they don't want to waste time and they don't want to have be hassled. So for me, I'll pay two times as much, three times as much, five times as much for some things just to not be hassled and to save time. So for instance, my son-in-law, my daughter, and my gran- my granddaughter and I, we went to breakfast this morning, right? And so when I go to that restaurant for breakfast, like I can go in, they know I want extra napkins on the table, salt and pepper on the table, a cup of hot water for my silverware on the table. And I don't have to ask for that. They already know that that's what I want and they don't hassle me about it. And it saves me time because they know already know I want it. So that's that saved me time. I don't have to tell them that, right? Then in addition to that, I can say, I want my Myron salad. Now, what is a Myron salad? It's a salad that's not on the menu, but I've ordered it so many times, they know exactly what I want in it. And so they bring me my Myron salad. And then when I'm halfway done with my Myron salad, I get my Myron coffee, which is not on the menu either, but they know it's exactly what I want. So we got done eating breakfast, and I don't usually look at the receipt, but I looked at it this morning, and it came to breakfast, came to $51 for me and my son in law and my daughter, it came to $51. And so a good tip is considered 20%, 22%. So that would have been $10, right? But one of the reasons, I, I like the fact that they dote over me when I come in the door. Everybody says, hi, Myron, hi, Myron, hi, Myron, hi, Myron. whether they're serving me or not. Everybody wants to serve me because I'm going to take, they know if they take care of me, I'm going to take care of them. So the server brought all our food out and they got my daughter's food wrong and she went back and took care of it. And then they made they made gave it to her for free. So the bill came to $51 and I gave her a $30 tip. Right. Why? Because I got the value I wanted. I wanted to be treated like I was important to them. They treated me and my family like we were important to them and they got the benefit of that. So I paid more. Like, is breakfast really worth $81? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on what you want for breakfast. I want to be served. Like, I could eat breakfast at home. I could have eaten the same breakfast at home probably for $8, right? Maybe $12, but – and my daughter makes fun of me for saying this – but I like having people bring me my food, and it provides provides value to me because it gives me an experience, and it provides value to the restaurant because now they get to make some money, so everybody's happy.
0: Well, I think that's like the most important thing, right? It truly is an exchange of value. You truly are giving them something and they truly are giving you something. And I think that's something that a lot of folks don't necessarily quite see. It's that unseen value, right? It's that, like you're saying, that intrinsic value there. So that's really spot on. So you essentially now, right? You understand the value. You understand the idea of providing value and you channel that into speaking and really also pastoring, if I'm correct, right? Well,
1: so, well, I, I guess you could call it pastoring from the standpoint that a past the word pastor means or preaching means means feeding the sheep, right? So, but but like it, my ministry gift would be pastor teacher, right? Because I like I'm a student of the Bible, and so I like to teach people the things that I learned, especially when I learn it. So what I do is I learn it, I practice it, I experience the result of that practice, mm-hmm. and then I go share it with other people, right? So that's what that's how I do it. I learn it, I experience it, and then. I go teach the results of that experience to other people. So so I teach the Bible. Like I've got a Bible study Facebook a Bible study group on Facebook. And we've got probably now 4000 members in that Facebook group, right? Of uh, people who want to hear me teach bib- practical biblical principles about success in life. In fact, the, the Bible study group is called Bible Success Secrets. I have a membership site where people pay $27.99 a month to learn biblical principles of success from me so yeah um i do have that membership site and i do have that facebook group and i do speak in churches all over the world but here like so because i have a business my friend bishop wayne malcolm over in the uk for instance when the world opens back up he could say hey myron i'd like for you to come speak at my church great and if he didn't know me he'd say how much do you charge because i have pastors at Ask me, how much do you charge? I don't charge anything. I'm going to come speak at your church for free. You pay my expenses and get me there. Pay my expenses while I'm there. I'll come for free. You don't have to pay me anything. If you want to give me something, you can. If you don't want to give me something, you don't have to. There's no stress in my mess. I've got a good friend who pastors over in Orlando. A couple of good friends that pass over in Orlando. And I'll drive over there and speak for them because they're my friends. And I want to be a blessing to those people. My, I make money in the marketplace. I go out into the marketplace and shake the money tree. When I go and do ministry, I don't think there's anything wrong with people taking care of people who minister to them. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. But it's just it's, – it's irrelevant to me. My my pay is the work, right? So I've, I turn my – I turn what used to be my vocation into my avocation by having a business in the marketplace that people pay me for. And so when I go out into the marketplace, I teach people how to make money. Now, does it stand to reason, Marlon, if I said to you, I'll tell you what. If you give me $10, I'll give you $100. Is that a good deal for you?
0: That's a great deal.
1: Okay. So what if I said if you give me a hundred dollars, I'll give you a thousand. Is that a good is that a good deal? It's still a good deal. Okay. What about if I said if you give me a thousand, I'll give you ten thousand? Good deal as well. Okay. Well let's do it one more time. You give me ten thousand, I give you a hundred thousand. Still good? Yeah. Okay. So you like all of those deals. You'll take any one of them. Yeah, they work. Let me ask you a question. Which one makes the most sense to you? Which one would be the most valuable to you? That ten thousand for a hundred thousand. That's right. So the higher the numbers go, the more it makes sense it makes, right? So one of the reasons I'm able to be successful in business is because I find places in the market that are undervalued or skills in the market that are underdeveloped, and I teach those skills. And I know what those skills can produce, so I charge about one-tenth of what I think those skills could make an average person, not an above-average person, about one-tenth of what I believe those skills could make an average person in 12 months. And so I am not looking to sell a Toyota Camry style training. I am interested in selling a Mercedes style training, a Rolls Royce style training, a Bugatti Varon style training. right? So I have three basic coaching programs. One of them is $55,000. Another one is $155,000. And the other one is a million dollars. And see, what's beautiful about that is it's only for the people who it's for, right? Um, if, if my wife were to say to me, I'm going to Walmart, would you like me to get you anything? My answer would be no, I don't want anything from Walmart. And that's, I'm, I'm not being snooty. I just don't like the quality of Walmart products. I would rather not experience anything than to experience Walmart when I'm experiencing a product. Right. So I just, I'm not a fan. There's nothing wrong with Walmart. It's just not my spot. Right. And so, so I know that when I say, um, but if you ask some people, Hey, I'm going to Neiman Marcus. Would you like me to pick something up? They're like, I don't, I don't, I'm not paying as much money for something as it costs Neiman Marcus, right? So different people value different things, right? And so for me, I value speed, convenience, and lack of hassle. I value that's like, like, and freedom. Those things are like way at the top of my value ladder for my life, right? And so I don't wanna have to, I don't wanna have to be bothered by like, I remember – I shouldn't tell this story, but I will tell it. Um, I remember one time when I lived in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. um, I was speeding. I was speeding, so I was speeding. (laughs) I just want to make that clear. I was speeding. So I got pulled over, and this young police officer looked like he was in his 20s. Do you know how fast you were going? I said, time out, bro. Let me help you understand something. Today, you're going to give me a speech or you're going to give me a ticket, but I'm not taking both, so you pick one. So he gave me a ticket because I don't like to be hassled and I don't care that the ticket was $300. Give me the ticket and then let's both go on about our business. Now, I shouldn't have done that, but I was not in the mood. (laughs) Right. Uh, So the last time I got pulled over for speeding. So just so you know, I'm not always that guy. Right. (laughs) Just So, you know, I'm not always that dude. I'm not always the prima duda. Right. I've tried never to be the prima duda. That's a male version of a prima donna. Right. So anyway. I got pulled over. I was coming back from Miami. We had just gotten back from our cruise. I've been on the ship. I'm ready to get home. We're driving back from Miami, and I'm going 93 and a 55. Some people flashed their lights coming over the bridge, man, and I slowed down a little bit, but I didn't slow down enough. So he clocked me going 93 and a 55. So guess what I did? Pulled over into the rest area. said, hey, bro, I got to go to the bathroom. I know that's not an excuse, but if you can just – you can give me the ticket, do everything you got to do. I got to go in here and use the bathroom before you write me a ticket. I hope that's okay. My car's here, my wife's in the car, like, but I gotta go to the bathroom, bro. Or otherwise it's, this is not gonna be fun for anybody, right? So he's like, okay, go to the bathroom. So he came back out, he gave me a ticket. Cool. But guess what I did? And not that anybody cares about this, but like I'm like, hmm, I wonder what if, wonder what happened if. And so I was in Dade County, Florida, right? So I said, hmm, um, speeding ticket lawyers in Dade County, Florida. Found one. <laughs> Called him up. I said, hey, I got a speeding ticket in your county. Is there anything you can do? Oh, yeah. Um, Just send us a text, text us a picture, email us a picture of the ticket and um, pay us our fee and we'll, you won't get any points. You might still have to pay the ticket, but you won't have to go to court and you won't have, you won't have any points on your license. Okay, how much do I send you? I'm expecting them to say $300, $400. They said, 70 bucks. <laughs> Let me get my credit card out. $70. <laughs> didn't hear anything for a couple months. About four months later, they sent me a, they sent me an email. We did a great job for you. You don't owe any money. The ticket got dismissed, and you didn't get any points on your license. Wow. Cool. So, so like most people don't know that exists. So I figured I'd just throw that out there in case that helps somebody other than me who, from time to time, tends to drive faster than they should. And I don't always speed, but sometimes yep. if I feel
0: you but you know what? it's valuable, right? And you're showcasing something really valuable here, which is you value your time, right? Time is valuable. very valuable, and it's probably the most important commodity out there. It's the yeah. most important it's asset just, we ever have. Say time is money. No. Time
1: is way more valuable than money.
0: Yeah, it's the one thing you spend that you don't get back. Exactly. exactly. You know so. Also- first off, that's why, one, I appreciate you for making the time to be here today. I seriously do appreciate it because you do have a lot of value to share and you coming on is really important. So something I actually came across was you had an iPod, an iTunes podcast, right? Success secrets, Bible success secrets, right? And I was listening to it and man, you are like on fire when you speak, like you seriously, like you're very infectious where, I was like, you know, let me just listen to a little bit of it last night, man. You almost kept me up all night listening to that stuff.
1: <laughs> I was minding my own business, bro. I don't know who kept you up all
0: night. <laughs> like no, I see. Mind
1: my own business. You know? Seriously,
0: man. You you just came. You come in there and you drop value, and like it, it's. It's stuff that, you know, I think people need to hear because even before you came onto the show, you asked me, you said, hey, is it cool? Like, cause you're like, I, I can get into the word a little bit. And I'm yeah. like, man, that's every business, awesome. Every
1: business principle I teach, every life principle I teach, it came straight from the pages of scripture. And if, uh, and I'm not trying to get somebody to believe the Bible, I'm just coming, I, I can only come from where I come from, right? And so, but what I am doing is I'm saying, hey, you don't need me. I am not the source, right? Like when I turn on my, sp- when I turn on my uh, spigot in the kitchen and the water comes out, the sink is not the source. It's just the, it's just the conduit, right? I'm not the source. I'm just the conduit. So I don't want people to think, oh, I just, have, I just need Myron. Well, you, you kind of really don't, right? <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just pointing you in the direction. Like the Bible is the greatest success book ever written, and it can help you have successful relationships and a successful business and successful children and the whole nine yards. But people think the Bible is about religion, and the Bible is not about religion. It has religion in it, but God didn't start the religion in the Bible. Satan started the first religion in the Bible, and every other religion came from that religion. And God, the Bible is not a book about religion. The Bible is a book about a king, a kingdom, a royal family, and the culturalization of a foreign land. And so if you are a man, God wants God is a king who wants to make you a king. If you're a woman, God is a king who wants to make you a queen. And he wants you to give you an assignment to rule over. And he wants you to rule over that assignment with with absolute authority. And if if I'm under the authority of my king, like if I'm yielded to my king and my assignment, then my assignment has to yield to me. That's like the greatest success principle ever because authority is always an alignment issue. And maybe if what you're working on is not working for you, maybe it's a possibility you're out of alignment.
0: Mm. Ben, you're spot on there. I mean, and that's something you don't hear a lot of people say, right? That first off, that the Bible is not necessarily the religion because it teaches us the church is within us, right? The church is within the body, the church is within man and woman. And
1: right. But but Jesus didn't say seek ye first the church of God and his righteousness. He said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But most people don't know what the kingdom of God is. And if you don't know what it is and you're seeking for it when you find it, what's gonna stop you from continuing to look for it? Because you won't even know you found it when you found it if you don't know what it is. Is, so, I mean, does that, does that make sense?
0: No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's the sense of like, how would you know? It's If you don't have the awareness for knowing what you're looking for, right? You can pick it up. It can be in your hand and you just kind of put it back down. You place it back down and you didn't realize you are holding the diamond.
1: Right. You just and thought it was a shiny rock. Right. You keep looking for the same thing you already found. But the, but the kingdom of God, like the scripture is clear, I believe. It doesn't say it in these words, but I believe the scripture is clear on what the kingdom of God is. And it, it, it provides, like seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness provides purpose in life. It provides fulfillment. It provides happiness. It provides, it provides prosperity and protection and the whole nine yards. The whole thing's wrapped up in the kingdom. What is it? So, so if I may be so bold, what is the kingdom of God that we're supposed to be seeking? I'm seeking, it means I should seek to yield my life to God as the sovereign king of my life. And then once I do that, I get to rule over my assignment as the sovereign king of my assignment. And then I use that assignment that I rule over to serve everybody I come in contact with. That's the kingdom of God in a nutshell. And so like Solomon prayed when God said, I'll give you anything you want. He said, dear Lord, give me the wisdom to do the thing you put me on this earth to do. Be yielded to you, right? To do the thing you put me on this earth to do in a way that pleases you but yet serves the people you put me here to serve. So I know I am here to do two things. I am on this planet to do two things. Please, God, serve people. My brother Rob is in here right now in the same room. I am here to please God and serve him. You're here right now via this interview. I am to please God and serve you. Your people who are listening to this right now, I am to please God and serve them. When I go downstairs and I see my wife and my granddaughter, I am to please God and serve them. When I see my son and my daughter, I am to please God and serve them. When I go to a restaurant, the... My purpose for being on this planet is to please God and serve other people. And if I can do that, I don't even have to worry about how they're going to treat me.
0: That's spot on. So I would ask you this question, right? And here's my understanding, my interpretation. When I listen to that, right? You know, we talk about working through God. I would say our connection to him, right? And our relationship builds through him and it's seen and alive through the mind, right? That there is no separation between us and God, that between the creator and the creation. I don't I would ask you what you, I'm sorry.
1: I don't understand your question.
0: So not even necessarily a question, more of a observation, right? From okay. what came up as you were saying that, right? Would you say that there was a separation between the creator and the creation?
1: I would say there was not originally a separation between the creator and the creation, but there became a separation. And the reason that there became a separation is the same reason that creates separation today. And that is. There, God is a king who wants to make you a king, but there's another king who's not really a king, but he's the, he's the quote little G God of this world. That's Satan. Mm -hmm. He's a king who wants you to yield to him. And when you yield to him, he wants to make you a slave. So there's a good king who, when you yield to him, he wants to make you a king and there's an evil king who, when you yield to him, he wants to make you a slave. And so the good king, he'll make you a slave and give you an assignment to rule over. So you can serve other people. The evil king wants to give you—he wants to make you a slave, and then he wants to try to make you—he uh, wants to give you people to rule over. He wants you to try to rule over people so you can serve stuff to yourself. And then at the end of that, he wants to kill you. So the evil king is a king who wants to make you a slave, who rules over people and serves stuff to yourself, and then you die. The good king wants to make you a king who rules over an assignment. You use the assignment to serve people, and then he gives you eternal life. But he doesn't give you the eternal life because of the work you do. He gives you the eternal life because you trust his word because he is the God who cannot lie. And when you trust his word, you have to... See, people say, well, it's, it's fascinating. I, I, not to turn this into a God conversation, but to me, all conversations are God conversations because only spiritual beings have language, right? And, <laughs> and there, there will be people who will disagree with what I'm about to say, but that's okay. See, I can disagree with people and still get along with them. So it's, everybody can't do that, right? So what's fascinating is that god is the ultimate being he is the supreme being right i'm not the supreme being you're not the supreme being i mean you're a nice guy right you live in new york if i came to your house and i knocked on the door and you opened the door and you saw it was me like "Maren, what's up bro come on in right right i mean pretty much be the conversation right absolutely right but what if you caught me trying to climb in your kitchen window at two o'clock in the morning would i get the same greeting
0: probably not
1: definitely (laughs) a new yorker oh no sir but Hey, you ain't get you. Let me catch somebody climbing in my window. I'm gonna wait till they get in there and then it's a wrap, right? Okay, that's all I'm gonna say, right? So, no, no, that's so think about how arrogant it is for us as human beings. We have approved ways for people to come into our environment, but God has to, the supreme being has to accept us any way we choose. It, it's, it's hideously a- arrogant for us to conclude that God has to accept me my way. If he's, if God has to accept me my way, then I am the God of my God. Mm. So either I, like, if I'm going to do something, I got to find out what he says. I I love what my daughter says um, about the Bible. Like, I believe the Bible is the word of God, right? So um, it can, and and if you want to understand the Bible, you have to start with the fact that it can never say what it's never said, and it can never mean what it's never meant. I can't make up a meaning and then just insert it into something that's eternal and then expect it to be true. It doesn't work like that. It's like it's like trying to deny gravity. I'm, I'm gonna disprove gravity. I'm gonna jump out of this airplane without a parachute. No, you're not gonna disprove gravity. You're gonna illustrate. it.
0: Man, you just, you really just hit home on some things. I mean, you just got the brain spinning a little bit and that hit home. I mean, it's essentially what you just said, right? I can't walk into his house because essentially it's his house. I I need permission. I have to knock on the door. I have to figure out, Hey, what are the rules and regulations to stepping into your domain?
1: And there's one rule. There's one rule. Here's what it says. Yeshua said, Jesus, the Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the father, but by me, that means your church attendance is not going to do it. Your baptism is not going to do it. Your religion is not going to do it. I don't care what religion it is. Not going to do it. There's only one way to come to the father. And that's through the son. Period. And by the way, that's how it's been since the beginning of time. I, like, I don't even want to go back. If you go listen to my podcast on uh, the <laughs> covenant, right? And when you hear the podcast on the covenant, that, that's not some new thing. That was prophesied in Genesis chapter 15, the first book in the Bible, that Christ was going to die on the cross for our sin. that's, this is not some new thing, right? And my good works aren't going to undo my bad works. So me doing good works is not going to make me accepted to God before God. Only the me trusting the good works of Christ are going to make me accepted before God.
0: And what's interesting, right, and this is what I like, because you said this earlier, and I like that you really do drop the truth, right? And you are transparent with it. You said, you're not going to find it through me. Like, you, I don't need Myron. No I'm one be- needs Myron to present it. But you do need a yeah. relationship with God, with the Bible, with Jesus on your right. own. So you on may own, yeah. facilitate the start of that process, but ultimately, you're only getting them yeah. started. You're pointing them in the right direction.
1: That's all I'm doing. Is It's that way. Right. It ain't This way. It ain't this way. It's that way. Right. And so what's fascinating, here's what's cool. You, you know, like your, your, your podcast is called into the mind. Right. So, so what's fascinating. I was out to dinner with a bunch of folks last night was, and there was this one guy there and I won't mention his name, but he's made millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's like, man, I'm just so, oh, man, it just drives me crazy. I make all this money. But the answers that he's looking for he refuses to accept right so if i said to you marlon i'm going to ask you a question and you can't say four like you can't the number four is not a number you can't say four or anything that equals four okay okay and if i i'm going to ask you this question i want you to give me an answer right but you can't say four what's two plus two five minus one no that equals four you can't say that i can't okay What's four? What's two plus two?
0: I can't here's my point.
1: Here's my that's right. Here's my point. If you're unwilling to accept the only answer that's truth, there is no answer.
0: Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I mean there's no other substitute at that point. Yeah.
1: So if you're if you're if you're saying, well, I want it to be something else other than the truth, (laughs) you got there's nothing left. (laughs) There's nothing. Left. So, your, your podcast is called Into the Mind. So, let me give your listeners some mind tools that God gave us from the very beginning. Is that is that will that be helpful? That would
0: be extremely helpful. Please. Okay. So
1: so we're going to we're going to go into the mind cuz you were talking about being connected with God so I'm going to show you how this thing works from the very first chapter in the Bible. I I really I really need to write a book called success principles from Genesis chapter 1. It would probably be 700 pages. <laughs> like I'm not even exaggerating. It's it would probably be 700 pages. That's that's how much it's like it's it doesn't stop. It just keeps on going, right? So here we go. Um I'm going to say begin a statement. I want you to give me the last word. You ready? Okay. God is everything, everything. Perfect. Okay. And if I said that to somebody else, they might say good. And if I said that to somebody else, they might say omnipotent. If I said that to somebody else, they might say holy or righteous or just or omnipresent or omniscient or, or, um, the beginning and the end. Who knows? They might say all kinds of things, but here's what's fascinating. Did you ever stop to think, what is the first thing that God tells us about God? That he is. Wouldn't, wouldn't, Wouldn't you agree? that whatever is the first thing he tells about himself, that would be a pretty important thing for us to know. I would agree. Okay, here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. My question was, why, why did he do that? Here's the best answer I've been able to find. Because he is creative, and therefore it is his nature to create. So God is creative. The first thing God tells man about God is that God is creative. What's the first thing God tells man about man? And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every creeping thing that moves upon the earth. So, the first thing that God tells about God is that he's created. The first thing God tells about man is that he made us in his image, which means he created us to create stuff and he made us to make stuff. So now I know why I'm here. Are you with me so far? Yes, sir. The first thing he tells about himself is that he's creative. The first thing he tells me about me is that he made me in his image, which means I now know the purpose for my life. And that is to live in my creative space and make the world a better place. That's why I'm here. So whatever creativity God put inside of me, whatever facet, small facet of his creativity he put inside of me, I am supposed to live in that space to make the world better. And what's cool is I've got six brothers and none of them have the same creativity I have. And I don't have the same creativity they have. We all have our own unique creativity. My children don't have the same creativity I have. My wife doesn't. We all have different creativity, right? So But as we all live in our creative space and make the world a better place, the world becomes better for all of us because of the contribution of each of us. You're still with me, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's the first thing God ever said to man? Here's what he said. Be fruitful. I'm going to write it on the board. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the works of my hands. Okay. So first thing he said was be fruitful. Now, Be is a verb. It's an action word. Be fruitful. The word fruitful means to produce on the outside based on what's on the inside. And the reason we know that is because the scripture tells us a fruit is a living organism whose seed is in itself. So I know, and that seed that's inside the fruit is what reproduces the fruit, right? So I'm supposed to produce on the outside based on what's on the inside. So when God says, be fruitful, what's on on the inside of me is supposed to produce something on the outside of me. You with me so far? (laughs) And then he said, multiply. Now multiply, the verb... For multiply, the action verb for multiply, you wouldn't say to somebody, be multiply, because that wouldn't make any sense. You'd have to say what? You'd have to say, do multiply. Multiply is something that you do. Fruitfulness is something you become. Multiply, multiplication is something you do. And the word multiply means to increase. So be fruitful and do multiply or do increase. And then he says, and replenish the earth. Hmm. So he said, do. Do multiply or increase do replenish replenish means to fill up so i am supposed to be producing on the outside based on what's on the inside i'm supposed to be increasing and filling up the earth with my increase this is the very first thing god ever said to a human being and then he said do subdue so be do 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 it almost sounds like a song i've done it do 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 <laughs> okay i'm done so so be fruitful do 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 multiply do subdue do do i mean do replenish do subdue what's subdue mean Subdue means to trample down why is god telling us to be fruitful produce on the outside increase fill up and then trample down well because god knows that disruption always follows intention so he's telling us to step on everything that tries to stop us from doing the things he's told us to do you with me so far
0: yeah i'm following
1: and then the last one he said was, "Have dominion." So be, do, have—that's God's formula. People wonder why. I, I, but, but I don't have. I don't. I don't have enough money. Then go do more, multiplying, replenishing, and subduing. Go increase the your the value you operate that you you share in the marketplace. Go. Go, go fill up the earth. Go fill a hole in somebody else's life. Anything that tries to stop you, trample it down. And then you'll have everything you're looking for. Be, do, have is God's formula for success. Here's what that means, though. Don't be, can't do. Can't do, can't have. The more you be, the more you can do. The more you do, the more you can have. Okay? So understand that being speaks to our identity. Doing speaks to our activity. And having speaks to our property. So my activity is a reflection of my identity. If I don't see myself how God sees me, which is made in his image, which means since I'm made it in his image and he told me to be fruitful that means I can be fruitful because before it told before God told man to be fruitful multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it he said it says and God blessed them and said unto them be fruitful multiply replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over works of my hand which means before God gave the command he gave the capacity so if God's telling you to do something the fact that he's telling you to do it means you can do it because he gave you the capacity before he gave you the command he gave you the ability before he gave you the assignment so whatever he's telling me to be I, it means i already know i can be that Whatever he's telling me to do, I know that I can eventually become the person who can do that. And whatever he's telling me to have, I know that there's nothing wrong with having that. And so people find themselves frustrated. One, they find themselves feeling guilty because they have a desire to have. They want to have a nicer house or a nicer car or better vacations or more money in the bank, and they start feeling guilty because the enemy wants them to think there's something wrong with that. But the desire to have is a God-given desire. And God gave us the the desire to have more, so we'd be willing to do more. But as we attempted to do more and we bumped our head on our inability and our lack of ability, we would finally yield to doing the thing he cares about most, that's becoming more so that we can do more and then eventually, ultimately, we'll have more. That's how God set it up. So focus on becoming more than you are. You will automatically do more than you're doing. And you will automatically have more than you've been having. That's how God set it up. You're not going to, you will no more, you will no more circumvent this process than you can jump out with an, jump out of an airplane at 3000 feet with no parachute and land on your feet and live. It's not possible. Principles. Principles are God's automation. So discover the principle. Develop yourself according and your skills according to the principle, and then deploy that skill into the marketplace based on the principle, and you can already know the outcome before you even set your foot in the door. That's my word about getting into somebody's mind and showing them how they can have anything they desire.
0: Is that helpful? That is powerful. I truly want people to go back and listen to that over and over and over again and repeat it until it sinks in, because like you said, you cannot step away from that. Yeah, right.
1: you 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 ain't go, You you won't shortcut that process. No, because it it was, it was here before you got here. It'll be here when you're gone.
0: Wow, that's powerful. I mean, seriously, like that alone. Thank you. That is golden nugget on top of golden nugget right there. And it, essentially, it's gravity right there. Right, you could have no understanding or comprehension of gravity. It doesn't stop you from being held to Earth. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Whether you understand it or not, it still applies to you. It's God's automation. It's automation. It automatically works like this every time. The more principles we can discover and the more that we practice developing skills that align with those principles, the more successful we become in anything. That's how life works.
0: So that's one thing you said right there that I really wanted to grab hold of. You said the more that you find these skills that align with essentially the,
1: the more we develop the skills that align with the principles.
0: The principles. Okay.
1: the principles already exist see if you work with principles principles work for you but if you work against principles principles work against you that is a battle you can't win so you might as well discover the principle and then you develop your skills according to the principle instead of spending your whole life trying to change the principle Mm. and when you do that then the principles will go to work for you and it's automatic like like people think I'm smart, and, and I, I'm I'm not stupid, but I'm not really that much smarter than anybody else. I've just been practicing principles contained in Scripture for decades. That's the difference. Like the Bible, most people see the Bible as a book of religion, so they read the Bible and have a religious religious experience. I see the Bible as a book of principles, promises, patterns, precepts, prophecies, prayers that give us the ability. To make predictions about outcome in the outcomes in the future that allow us to position ourselves on the path of a predictable outcome. And that is literally how we experience prosperity. It's not magical, it's
0: practical. I love it. This is the sort of Bible like understanding or breakdown that I wish we had growing up, that I wish I had growing up. I wish I had it growing up. Like, so I'm grateful that you're out there sharing it. I mean, the podcast was already on point. Now the Facebook group, definitely. It's funny because I saw you on Clubhouse too the other day. I was in the middle of work, so I couldn't stop to take a break. (laughs) But I saw that you had, I think it was about 5.30 or 5.45. You're running a practical breakdown of the Bible. And I was just like, this guy's onto it. Like this guy's spot on, you know? So it's like, this is a message I want to spread, especially, you know, not for nothing, Coming from you, coming from the message of being a a black vessel, right? I mean, just coming from our community, you know, I personally don't really see color, but there is something about seeing someone that's like, you can relate to someone that you look like. And I'm saying like, huh, you know, this guy looks like me. This guy looks like me in the future. You know, I want to listen to what he has to say, you know, because he's elevated himself to a certain point. So I appreciate that you would take your time to essentially put yourself there to become that beacon for some people so they can find it for themselves
1: absolutely my pleasure bro so i appreciate you inviting me to your podcast and then being being so um understanding of the fact that i just missed it this morning i'm in my pool up to my neck and my alarm goes off i'm like what's this podcast interview how did i miss that and i'm like i'm up to my neck in 60 degree water right because i do cold plunges and i'm like well i gotta find i gotta figure out how to reach this brother and so i just came i called you and so we were i'm glad we were able to work it out I've got a mountain of work in front of me today. I'm sure you do too. Absolutely. So I appreciate the opportunity to share with your listeners. Hopefully it helps somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. hopefully um, somebody's life will be impacted in a positive way.
0: Myron, before I let you go, can sure. for people that want to get in contact with you, where can they find you? How can they find you? Where should they go?
1: So, so if you go to MyronGolden.com, it's got links to my Instagram and my Facebook and my Twitter and my other stuff. And uh, you can get a free copy of my book. There's a link to that, my free... Like you can get a free copy. You just paid 999 shipping and handling my Bible face, my Bible success secrets, Facebook group. Or if you're, if you'd rather go on Instagram, I'm on Instagram at Myron golden. I've got a link tree on my Instagram. So yeah, just yeah. like Live your best life. And the best, your best chance at living your best life is to follow God's principles because absolutely. they will work for you if you will work with them. So
0: absolutely. So Myron, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. God's going to have appreciate the link be below. All right, brother. One day. Okay, guys. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean, Anything, if one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below, let people know what that thing was, let us know what it was, we do read all of the comments, and absolutely share this with a friend, that is how we help each other, okay, the best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow, send that out to your friends, help them grow. Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe, make sure you're here for the next episode, and remember that the greatness is already inside of you.